Hey guys, this is the Out of Focus Podcast, episode 38, with your host, Will Malone. It's Friday, so apologies, day late. Normally I try to put these out on Thursday. Back when I was doing the 365 podcast in like 2015, that was kind of podcast day, was Thursday. And with the Out of Focus Podcast, I haven't always been you know, just so religiously posting on Thursday in particular. I was, it's more trying to be week by week, but over the past like 10 or so episodes, I've kept it to Thursday and I'm trying to kind of keep it to that just because as a podcast listener, I like when I know, oh, this podcast releases Thursday. So I can look forward to that on Thursday, but this week didn't happen, had scheduling issues, all kinds of craziness and chaos. So ended up recording this one last night. So this one kind of worked out to just be out today, which is no big deal. It's not that big of a difference. But anyways, we've got a great guest for you. I talked to Jared Kurt. He is a location manager out in Los Angeles, working on some pretty big movies. Um, he's been doing it for a long time. And uh, he's worked on things like, you know, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man and Law and & Order SVU and one of my favorite shows, Justified. So I talked to him a little bit about kind of what location managing entails and location scouting and all these things that... You know, we don't really think about it all the time when we watch movies, kind of what it takes to film in a certain location and how to make a location look like a different location. And uh, so there's some surprises there when he uh, he talks about Justified a little bit and kind of how you go about managing locations for a long period of time for a show and how you make a certain place look like, you know, in Justified's case, how you make certain places look like Kentucky when they're very much not Kentucky. So really interesting stuff. He talks about kind of his start in the 90s when he started doing this stuff. And now he's kind of trying to move into some directing and writing stuff. And so he's talking about what he's doing to move in that direction. And it's just another illustration of, uh, you know, this, he, he calls it moonlighting, this idea of, you know, working on that stuff on the side in order to kind of have a trajectory in uh, your ultimate goal. And so I think it's just a good example. It's been a constant theme on this podcast, talking about side projects, short films, different things. This podcast is kind of that in and of itself. And uh, so, yeah, this is just a great, another great guest that kind of is part of this whole out of focus thing, this process, this just, um, you know, getting into the nitty gritty a bit. And since I'm a big nerd, I just, I love listening to it and I love hearing all of uh, the bits and pieces of, you know, Jared's job. And so uh, this is a good one. We get straight down to business. So there's no fluff in this episode at all. And so uh, very, very good. Episode. So uh, before I let you go here, check out the Out of Focus newsletter. Um, I release them every Friday. It's a companion to this podcast, this overall out-of-focus storytelling project I've been working on over the next few months and years. So go make sure you subscribe on willmalone.com, willmalone.com slash out-of-focus. You can follow me all the time, every day, on Instagram. Uh, I will be posting, I post Instagram stories and photos all the time, you know, as you know, I am one to do as a photographer. So uh, without further ado, enjoy the show. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I, uh, you know, I, I know, you know, I watch a lot of movies. I know, uh, at least a little bit about what a location scout or a location manager is, but, um, 
tell me about yourself and tell me about like kind of what you do. Cool. Um, so I kind of grew up um, around the film business because my father was a producer growing up. And uh, I did go to a liberal arts college with a concentration on film. Um, and while I was in college, I began location scouting. And it was in New York City that I started. And I went to college there. And um, so what I would do is book all my classes Monday through Wednesday. And on Wednesday night, I would take the train into the city. And my parents lived there. And I would scout two days a week for, you know, movies and television series while I was in college. And I would also work full time during the breaks uh, and, you know, summer, spring break, Christmas break, stuff like that. So I slowly, uh, you know, I began as a scout. And back in the day, I mean, I was working on stuff like Law and Order Special Victims Unit Season 1. So we're going pretty far back. Um, I started in 95, the the year that I went to college in New York is when I started scouting there. Um, It was different back then. Uh, With the digital era, things are so much different. Um, So... Back then, you would go into the office in the morning and your boss would recap what you were looking for and what, you know, locations were missing, meaning that we had to find them and we had to get the okay by the higher ups to go ahead with it. So in the morning, my boss, Bart, who is a surfer in New York, would tell me we're missing an apartment building to throw a body off of. It needs to be in Harlem. Go ahead. (laughs) <laughs> so, so it was very elusive and they would give you a uh, bunch of quarters for the phone and a bunch of tokens for the subway and a beeper. And you would get your briefing in the morning and if it changed during the day, you would get a beep and you'd be rerouted. Um, suppose I were to take that example of the apartment building. Um, you know, back then you'd have to go look in the, for the manager's apartment, knock on his number. Then you would get the building owner and building management's number. And then you'd call them. This was all done with pay phones. It was just way different. Uh, it was a lot more uh, feet on the ground than the scouts nowadays in New York and in Los Angeles. So anyhow, I got started in New York doing that. I came after college back to Los Angeles and uh, I started working here Um, and at the beginning I was scouting uh, and now I'm a manager it's a little bit different and I'll I'll discuss that in a little bit but um, yeah I I first started out as a scout and then I became a key scout which meant I was a little more refined and I had a little bit more knowledge and then eventually I bumped up to what's called a location manager. So I actually manage scouts and expedite the whole filming process. So a location manager's job is to locate all the locations needed to shoot the movie, have them approved by the director and the producer, financially and artistically, and then carry it out. And what I mean by that is, suppose I'm going to shoot Spring Street in downtown LA. I need to, my department hires the police, the fire department, the security, the place we're going to rent out to do our catered lunch, our crew lots, our base camp for all our trucks, our air conditioning, our 
maps, our directional signs, our permit, our street closures, and a bunch of, oh, cleaning up the location when we're done, restoring it to what it was before we got there contractually. Those are all things that I do uh, in my department. And it's kind of like producing the show in a specialized way because a, a producer produces the whole show overall. My job is only to, pro to produce the show on location, meaning like make our plan happen. You know what I mean? Uh, but mine is focused on, you know, where we're shooting and what it requires. Whereas a producer would oversee not only that, but costumes, you know, making sure talent is okay, transportation, you know, that department to get us around, you know, please the director. So it's like producing, but it's in a smaller, more specific, specified capacity. And uh, it sure does help if you know the town. Uh, but however, I'm a manager now and I also am a supervisor. So what I'm trying to say is nowadays, because I've proven myself and I've worked in so many cities, I'm the guy that you can call and say, hey, Jared, you're in Los Angeles. Where do you think we should shoot this movie? What country and what city? And tell me why. And so I can do that. I can hire local scouts and find them in any area and I use them as the conduit and I use my eye as the judge and filter before I show a director. So what happens with the scouts is I tell them what I'm looking for. I find people in that locale and, uh, you know, they send me digital files and I pilfer through them first and select the best ones. And eventually I put together a presentation for the director and he either signs off or not. So uh, some of them he'll say, these are great. Or he might say, this one's great, but I have to see it in person. Pictures are deceiving sometimes. Or I don't like this at all. Skip it. So, you know. Um, and that's kind of like a little summary of my responsibilities and what I do. Um, I also have written a film that got made and I'm currently... Uh, writing and directing shorts with my partner uh, Axel over here. Um, so uh, I would like to not be a location manager forever and I'd like to work on directing and producing and writing. And so that's what I'm doing. Um, it's kind of like moonlighting your career. I'm in the right, you know, um, I, like overall, I'm in the film business and I love it. But I'd like to do uh, something on a bigger, you know, level or in capacity, but in the same business. So I'm going to hopefully juggle around a little bit soon. Yeah, awesome. So, you, man, so you actually have, like, a decent amount of creative control on the location. Well, I don't have... I don't have the final sign-off whatsoever, but I can definitely work with the production designer get a feel for the look of the show and try and expedite that and guide the show. Meaning I get to show what I want and what I don't want to show them. I don't, you know, so I have right. some control, but a lot of times, to be honest with you, Los Angeles is so regimented and has been filmed so much. And it's so film savvy that Los Angeles in particular, I 
know like the back of my hand. But one of the reason that I'm saying this is sometimes you don't have that much creative control because there's simply only one or two good choices that will fulfill the requirements of the scenes that we need to film. So like on this television series, there is a specific location in a time period of 1952 and we had to find a building that could believingly and convincingly be um, a company like Boeing in the 1950s. And so really, when we began the search, in my head, as well as the designer, we had one building in particular. However, the director's not from Los Angeles and the designer hadn't worked in Los Angeles in something like eight years. So all the buildings he knew about probably are not available anymore or something's changed. And when you have a director from another city who doesn't know architecture and time period in American culture that much, you have to do a little bit more guiding um, and convincing. Then also, if people don't know you and haven't worked with you before and they're from another town and you tell them that you can't find anything else that works, you're going to have to show them all of the places that don't work and why because they got to build trust and rapport that you're not lazy and that you know what you're doing. Because you could easily tell somebody, oh, it doesn't exist here. And, it, you know, it could. But what I try to do is instill some trust because I say, look, I've been doing this for a while and here's all the ones that don't work. And, you know, so that's kind of how it goes down. Um, and it's funny, sometimes the first place I show, they'll reject, and I have to show 30 more places so they can come back to the original idea and understand why in the first place I thought we should go there. And that's happening right now on this job. So, Yeah, that, I mean, that's, yeah, uh, show them all the alternatives and why they don't work. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I understand that. That's, that's a good lesson in uh, business in general, just... Uh, you have to see, you know, what's not good to understand why I'm right. <laughs> well, here's the here's the problem too. Sometimes on a show, the producer's in charge. Sometimes the director's in charge. On this particular show, it's such a big show that the director's in charge. But the producer thought he was in charge. So before the director got there, he narrowed all the locations down to one or two choices. Well, when the director showed up, she said, "I'm in charge, and this is not enough for me to choose from." So. We had to open up the search again, but at the end, it wound up being the same building we were going to use from the beginning. But we had to go through three weeks of convincing by showing, by proxy, places that didn't work in person, you know? Yeah, so, um, I mean, I yeah, I noticed you, uh, like, I looked through your IMDb, you've got quite the portfolio, and um, one one show in particular is one of my favorite that I saw was Justified, and uh, <laughs> yes. I was I was curious about that, because that's definitely not in Los Angeles, right? So, like, what was it like finding locations for that? Was it filmed in Kentucky? Okay, none of Justified, except for the title sequences, were filmed in Kentucky, the pilot was shot in Pittsburgh, and gotcha. I was the manager on all six seasons that were shot in Los Angeles for Kentucky, which is very difficult. And believe it or not, it's funny that you bring up Justified because it was since Justified that I'm kind of like the sci-fi period action guy. So Justified 
Listen, as a location manager, I'm known to be really good at faking one place for another. I'm also good at period, which could be the past or the future, because I consider sci-fi, oh, it's like doing period, it's just futuristic. And then action, um, I just had a lot of practice, and what I mean by action is permitting, flipping a car, throwing a person off a building, machine guns, helicopters. But anyway, back to Justified. I kind of got my foothold and my reputation in what I do a lot from that show. And the reason why is nobody could believe we shot it in L.A., never mind not Kentucky. Yes, seriously. And and when we went to approach the show, I said, guys, we're shooting in Los Angeles. Every season's going to be from September to March. So we're going to be in the winter and, you know, things are going to be dry at the beginning of the season and green. I mean, not green. And as we go through the season, that the foliage will get greener. So the big question is, where do we film this? Because L.A. is a desert. And it just so happens that about a half hour north of Los Angeles is a town called Santa Clarita. And it's kind of a suburb. And Santa Clarita has a water, t- uh, has a town another 20 miles away from it called Green Valley. And the reason why it's called Green Valley is because there's an underground water system, and that particular little valley stays green all year round. So, uh, Green Valley was a great place. And uh, it's an obscure area that most people in Los Angeles don't film in because, you know, it's. 30 minutes from the city and then it's another 20 minutes and you're outside the zone. When I say the zone is like TMZ is the 30 mile zone from the center of Los Angeles. Anything outside of that, you have to pay people more because you've traveled past the boundary. And so you're going to have to pay them a little extra for their travel time and their, their gas. And you're going to have less time filming because there's only a 12, you know, 12, 14 hours that you're allowed to film and you don't want to eat it all up in transportation, but green Valley worked on so many levels for our show that we took the hit and it became part of our routine. So yeah, uh, green Valley was, uh, you know, a godsend and kind of gave me an opportunity to open a lot of other doors after that. From so, just, yeah, you from just, yeah. See, yeah, that's that's super impressive because you know I honestly did not know that, and that's uh, I'm I'm st- I'm a little dumbfounded that that is in L.A. It almost it, it yeah it, it blows you my mind. You can tell so, because of the oak trees, you know the uh, the oak trees. Like I can tell right away. Like if I'm thinking is this in L.A. or not, if I don't recognize the location, I just look at all the foliage because I I like I worked with a production designer named Janine Opwell. And she designed movies like Catch Me If You Can, L.A. Confidential, Pleasantville. And so I, uh, I got to brush up on my architecture. And the reason why I bring her up is she's actually an entomologist and a botanist on the side. So, you know, on top of knowing all, every piece of architecture and where it came from and who, you know, it's known for, she also could tell you about all the plants around anywhere so uh that's how i learned that the oak trees are 
definitely the calling card that you're in LA if you ever want to know if you're watching a show. And you know, the oak trees in California are totally different than the East Coast oaks. So, you know, that's just a little tidbit that you can tell Justified is not in Kentucky because there are California oaks everywhere. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, you know, I, I live in the Southeast, so it's, you know, it, it fooled me. Um, <laughs> but No, uh, a lot of people who are, lived in Kentucky would write us and say, where are you filming the show? <laughs> and so it was pretty fun. You know, it, it's funny. I used to, you know, I grew up in Hawaii, actually. And so, like, I was living there while they were filming Lost. And that was, like, mm. part of the, the enjoyment of Lost was seeing, you know, just all the locations that I was familiar with in the background. But Hawaii is a very, I mean, I don't know if you've, you've uh, done location stuff there, but yeah, Hawaii's, you know, very, it's hard to fake, you know, I have done, I have done. And it, uh, it's, it's a difficult place to shoot because it's kind of run by like, uh, locals that, love and hate us they like the money and they hate the film business so right. that that's it every place has its particular particularisms and uh hawaii definitely has one but hawaii is for hawaii because it's not very diverse and that's the thing about los angeles is you can shoot the snow and you can shoot the desert and you can shoot the mexican border and you can shoot in the mountains so it's very diverse you know, and you could so yeah. So you said that you are you kind of got known for doing more sci-fi stuff. How do you location scout for a sci-fi television show? Well, or, I think the biggest sci-fi television show. I'm also known as the anthology guy because I've been doing a lot of anthologies lately, and they're the hardest because each episode is its own self-contained movie with its own director and its own designer. Um. I did Electric Dreams, which was for Amazon, and it was a Philip K. Dick adaptation. He was the writer of, mm-hmm. you know, um, Minority Report, for instance, and the short story Blade Runner was based off of. Um, so that show, Electric Dreams, would call for high tech offices. Um, so it just so happens that. We shot it in Chicago because Chicago has the most exciting new architecture in the country and also the most exciting old, uh, you know, uh, architecture. It's uh, a very diverse place. And um, how you scout for that? Like, we had to do the inside of a spaceship and we found a very industrial looking building and we built it out so that it looked like the inside. The exterior of um, this giant manufacturing plant, we found uh, a mine or uh, it was like for, what do you call the countertops that are not marble? Uh, Granite. Granite. So it was a granite mine and it had a very, very, very interesting concrete structure and we added digitally later more to that so so the problem with sci-fi is that you're usually using one location to fake for some other type of location but you're always looking at the nuts and bolts of the place and what i mean by that is you can always add it digitally later but you need to have the structure there to begin with 
or else it's not worth going on location. You just build it all in a 3D world. So um, sci-fi, why I call it like period is because science fiction um, production designers typically choose an era in the past of you know humanity to focus that look on, even though it's supposed to be in the future. So they'll say, hey, this is art deco sci-fi. So use all the art deco for, you know, that we can find and whatever else we have to build on stage, we will. Um, so, you know, that's why I say that sci-fi is kind of like period because we're choosing usually what was thought to be a futuristic period in the past to mimic and build off of to convince the viewer that they're in the future, you know? Yeah. So do you, I mean, it, I mean, it, it, you said you had to construct a pitch for that. So is that like, do you have to like production design it uh, beforehand to some extent in order to communicate like to, that? I like to start two months before filming and I like to work with the designer and put together. Yes, we have to do a presentation for the studio who represent the financing and we have to make sure everyone's on board. So I do do like um, a PowerPoint presentation or whatever, just a series of photographs, very well organized and I, you know, structured so that I can pop files back and forth quickly. It's all about being efficient and not wasting time. The people you're working with have a very short attention span. So how I do it is I have one of um, my partners in my department, uh, he's steady at the computer and we are attached to a big screen and I'm just calling out things to him so that I can give attention to the people sitting at the table, but also direct what the photographs are going to be shown, which photographs are going to be shown. So I definitely have somebody working the computer because I have to speak to these guys and it's not a great perception for them to see you getting kind of like, uh, you know, frustrated with the computer or you can't find this file. So you want to have somebody else do that so you can give them their full attention and take the attention off you. You don't want to look flustered, nervous. So it's best to have someone else help out with it. So that's kind of how I present photos. And once I get the producers, excuse me, or the directors to bite on a location, then we usually go and per excuse me, the hiccups go in person. And then um, that's ultimately where the sign off happens or not. So, okay. So there is like a, did you, did you have a background in photography at all? Is that like kind of how you got into it was because. Yes. Well, I was, I was big into photography in high school and I was big in photography and printmaking in college. And my father said, if you want to direct one day, I'd say start off scouting because it gives you, uh, you know, a good idea of how to run a production. And so that's why I started scouting, to be a director one day. Gotcha. So that's kind of where you're still, your trajectory is, is still headed then. Yep. But we're actually directing shorts now that, that we wrote, uh, Axel and I. So it's coming to fruition, but it didn't happen fast enough. I would I I could have worked faster and harder on my moonlighting gig which is to become a director but sometimes you get so wrapped up 
in the actual job that you're on that you don't really have time for much more. Uh, so, you know, it, it can be very, very stressful because you can change things on a dime. And if you change one part of the schedule, the whole rest of the schedule stop, you know, changes and you have to redo the permit and get permission from the properties to change. And the dates change all the time. And you have to really be good with people because at the end of the day, they have to want to work with you. And they're going to spend a lot of time on the phone with you and in person. So, you know, a lot of my job is, A, knowing architecture and knowing um, and having taste. And a lot of it is how to work with others and to be able to collaborate and to be able to push where you need to and to be able to not push uh, when not needed. And you have to be a good judge of the temperature of the room and the people you're talking to. They're very, you're taking a bunch of A personalities and you're putting them in a room together facing each other in a round table and they each have their own opinions. So it can get heated sometimes. Yeah, so, so yeah, you, you're, your location managing carries over to being a director pretty well then because you're managing people still. Um, yes, it's a lot, you know, directing is a lot different, but I've gotten practice in that too. But yeah, it always helps to be able to read a room and identify a room and speak in a room well. So, um, do, uh, like, like you said you were doing sci-fi for location stuff. Is that kind of like also what you want to focus on in making your own films? Like what kind of genres are you interested in making films in? Well, I kind of have always been the person who likes to keep up with the latest thing, the latest music by, you know, the latest, uh, painters, clothes, things like that. So by, my, um, my, I, I'm focused on writing at short anthologies right now, uh, and they're basically like midlife crisis, catharsis, self-actualization stories. Each one's different, but all the characters seem to be at the same breaking point in their life where things are going to change or not. Um, and you know, it's I would say. They're in a midlife crisis. I find that interesting because it's like my age right now and what I'm going through. And I always try to write from what I know in my life experience. Not exactly, not totally indirectly, but, you know, loosely. So um, is that... uh is that kind of the short film you guys are making? Are you guys able to talk about kind of what the, your short film's about? Yes. Uh, so we're doing um, an anthology of six stories called The Thirst Trap. And the first story is called Done With Mirrors in the Thirst Trap anthology. And it's about a man who getting ready in the morning at the gym and getting ready to go out at night has the reflection, his mirror reflection talking badly to him don't wear that you shaved the wrong way that those are ugly shoes you don't have that juice anymore wow you're getting older wow look at those wrinkles oh my god i can see that you dye your beard so eventually this man gets so frustrated as a reflection that he jumps into the mirror room and he tries to destroy his reflection and at the end of the movie somebody gets left in the mirror room 
and somebody escapes. And you don't know whether it's his reflection that escapes or himself at the end. So it's elusive. It's about trying to kind of kill the negative voices in your head that keep you down. That's what the first one was about. And the second one that we're working on now is called Little Boy Blue. And it's about a man, and again, kind of in a midlife crisis situation. He goes to Rosarito to meet with some friends, and he parties, and he goes to a strip club, and he, he goes, winds up at the beach with his friends. But anyhow, at the end of the night, he goes home, and he has a dream. And in the dream, he is chasing a little boy through what I would call a psychological amusement park. All these gags happen to him as he's chasing the boy. And he, he has to confront a lot of the issues in his life that he's currently dealing with through this dream sequence and all the things he has to... Uh, obstacles that he used to overcome, physical obstacles. But anyhow, when he catches up to the boy, he realizes the boy is him, and the boy is like, you've been chasing me your, my whole life. Why are you doing this to me? And so it's kind of about ex accepting and learning to live with the little kid inside all of us, which is being easier on yourself and self-acceptance, not being so hard on yourself, being gentle being kind to yourself. And so the way to show that, you know, the way I'm showing that maybe this guy wasn't treating himself so great is because the little boy inside of him is running away from him <laughs> or trying to get away from him. So, yeah. you know, that's that story. So they're kind of so, like, oh, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no. I So, I mean, yeah, I mean, keep going. I mean, sorry. No, no, no. It's just, a, the, so, you know, what all I'm saying is that I got five characters. We tell each of their story and they wind up getting in a car at the end and a big bad accident happens. So I just got interested because I've been working on a lot of anthologies and because I know what people today's attention span is, I thought it was attractive to tell some short stories that are modern day kind of, you know, anthology pieces of what it's like to be middle-aged in, I don't know, the big city of America right now. So, I, I mean, you know, you work on, like, TV and movies for a living. Like, do you actually, like, watch a lot of TV? Like, does that, I mean, does that exhaust you to, like, go home and, you know? Well, no, I, I love movies and TV uh, to a fault because I think I have seen almost every TV show out right now. In some capacity. There's a few that I can't get through, but when I'm on hiatus, I have a lot of time on my hands, so I usually try and catch up and binge. So I like to be aware of what's out, what people are watching, what's popular, what's good that not popular, what's popular and good, like, you know, all that kind of thing. So I kind of, you know, keep the genres open and try and um, watch and see as much as I can. What's your uh, favorite stuff that's like influencing you right now? I really liked Euphoria this season. Um, influ that it influenced me a lot in some of the storytelling I'd like to do. Uh, I'm trying to think. I lately, what have I really enjoyed? I liked. Um, I, 
I like Handmaids. I like what was big right now or in the last six months. I'm trying to think of other things I was watching. Um, I kind of oh oh Pose. I like that show. Okay. Yeah. What was that? What? Oh, I like yes, Russian Doll. Yeah, girl. I watched that. That's that's good. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, so you know, um, uh, Fleabag. Uh, it's kind of funny. Um, I'm all about short things right now myself, actually, <laughs> just because. Yeah, it's like there's so much time in the day, and I like when like something like Russian Doll comes out. It's eight episodes, and they're like half an hour long each, and that's it. You know. Yeah, that, that was refreshing. A lot of people couldn't get through the second or to the, the second or third episode because they were caught up on the Groundhog's Day of it all. But, uh, you know, if you stuck with it, it, I think it got a lot better and interesting. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, so, I mean, you know, we can kind of ra- start wrapping it up here, but, um, you know, as far as like directing goes and all that kind of stuff, um, are you, uh, like are are you like how what's your trajectory and time frame that you're kind of shooting for? I'm trying. Um, I'd like to finish the anthologies in the, this coming year, and by the end of 2020, I'd like to have this kind of epic script written that I would like to sell. So there's the timeline is write as much as you can that's good as quickly as you can to get to direct as much as you can. So I, what I have to do is write and direct small projects I can finance myself until somebody says, hey, you're good. You want to do a big one? So that's kind of where I'm at. So it's about just moving quickly and often, basically. Well, it's about creating material that's good as quickly and efficiently as you can so you can get it to a marketplace. So once you sell that material, then you can direct it. You know, it's kind of the game plan. There's no science to it, though, I got to tell you. Yeah, that is what's interesting about um, you know movies to me. It's like uh, I, like I I've, I tend to follow like box office and a lot of that kind of stuff, and it is amazing like how hard it is to track trends. And then when somebody thinks they have it figured out, they don't, you know. And or by the time they get it made, it's not trendy anymore. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That is, I know that's uh, I, that, that's one thing I wonder about. You know, Avengers is top grossing movie of all time like are they going to become less cool you know soon you know i i just wonder about that like probably probably maybe they hit the precipice because you know avengers just finally beat out avatar so yeah yeah and how much higher can you go not much so uh well i appreciate you coming on and talking about this stuff i mean it's this stuff i mean i'm just endlessly fascinated by um i mean just television and movies in general but i the location stuff is always intriguing because there's a lot of behind the scenes and just i mean the idea that i didn't know that justified was filmed in la and i've been a fan of that show for a while just i mean still my mind is blown so good work good job appreciate it yeah i hope it was interesting uh and i hope that uh you know your listeners will i don't know have a good time or informative time listening but not sure how entertaining i am myself I mean, you know, you work in Hollywood, you work in, um, you know, movies and stuff, and to the average person, that sounds flashy and amazing, but then you kind of, like, it's a job that you have to be good at and work hard at, and it's not just this magical, just thing, like, fairyland you live in, right? Like, you, the reason you're doing it is because you're good at it and because you have experience, so. Yes, 
uh, it takes a lot of practice, I gotta tell you. Yeah, I mean, uh, that was one thing, too, I think that I have, um, I, I think I had a small view of it in that, like, you go from place to place, you take photos, say, hey, I like this spot, but I, it didn't even, it didn't even register me, with me the amount of, like, um, networking you have to do the talking to people who own the buildings the just like all the the moving pieces that are required to do that so yeah i mean um, down our department takes care of down to the dumpsters and the bathrooms you know like in the changing areas for the background and all the parking you know so more involved than you think yeah no i mean it's yeah it's uh, that's unreal so yeah um again thank you for doing this